Hey everyone, uh, welcome. My name is uh, Matt Townsley, and uh, we're in this series on uh, the gospel in everyday life, right? Like uh, some of us go to the zoo to see zebras and giraffes, and there's air and like seeing them in real life. Like how cool is that? That's really, really, really neat. I was trying to think something, uh, think about something that all of us maybe shared in common in our everyday life in this past week. So for those of you that don't know, my wife Cassie and I and our family, we moved to Waverly about a year ago. And so this past week was our very first uh, Waverly Heritage Days. Yeah, like, is that a big deal or what, right? Okay, so I'm just wondering, how many of you participated at Heritage Days in some way, shape, or form? Like the, the parade or the whatever it might be. A few of us? Not, okay, I need to think of a better example. I thought everyone would be raising their hand like I was a part of Heritage Days. Janesville Days, anyone? Yeah, all right, yeah, I know. Right over here, okay, okay, all right, all right, all right. I also know that uh, as we think about our past, uh, we're, we're, today we're talking about the gospel and how it impacts us, specifically as we think about our past. Uh, it's also college and high school reunion season, all right? So a lot of us right now are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to think about those crazy days, you know, back in college or high school. Uh, let's do this, though. Just for the sake of thinking about our past right now, I want you to think about one word that describes you in your high school or college days. And by the way, if you're not in high school or college yet, just think about like a word that you think your friends would use to describe you. All right, just think about that for a moment. I'm going to ask you in a moment to actually share it with someone. So be thinking about a real, a real word that you think describes you. And some of you are like, I don't want to share. I don't want. And some of you are like, yeah, I'll share. That's okay. All right, so on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to share with someone around you, all right? A one, a two, a three. Go ahead. All right, all right, all right. Hold on to that word. We're going to revisit that word a little bit later this morning. Uh, so up on the screen right now, you're going to see a, a picture of Matt Townsley in his senior year of high school, all right? I know. Aaron said it. That's my point. With hair. This guy had hair. Holy cow. I will never forget. The summer after, uh, I think I was like maybe 19 or 20 years old, it was, it was in the summer, I was at my grandpa and grandma's house. And so, so my dad has three brothers, and my uncle Greg is the funny one, all right? So we're all out there like sitting, playing board games, things like that, and my uncle Greg walks up to me, and he goes, Matt, how's it going? And I'm like, what, Uncle Greg? He's like, losing some hair, huh? And I was like, what? No way! I'm only 20 years old, and I already have my hair. It, it's... It just keeps going back and back and back. And that's how it's been ever since about 19 years old. So here's a picture proof that I did actually have hair. Okay? Flip to the next slide there. Okay, so some of you are like, well, that's the Matt Townsley I know. He doesn't have any hair and all those different types of things, all right? Yet our past is always with us. It's always with us. We, we can't lose it. There's nothing we can do. Like, it's just always there. And that's why some of you are like, I'm just not so sure I want to share that word with someone else. Uh, you know, again, our, our past, our heritage, the best way I could think about it, it's just kind of like uh, toothpaste. It's just out. Like once it comes out of the tube, it's, it's there. And for some of us, our past is very dark, isn't it? That toothpaste is kind of dirty. We're not really excited about it. Maybe even haunts us. But yeah, it's there. And for some of us, maybe it's not as dark or it doesn't haunt us as much, but for whatever reason, maybe it gives us a sense of pride. Yet it's there. And it impacts our lives today. 
And so our aim today is to talk about how our past impacts us today through the gospel. Uh, Whether you attended Heritage Days or Janesville Days or have a memory from college or high school, this message is for you today. Uh, We're specifically going to dig into 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, Bibles, go ahead and get ready to uh, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. A little bit of background while you're opening it up. Uh, Paul wrote this book to the church in Corinth. If you're not familiar with uh, this church in Corinth, the best way to describe them is they're like uh, the sin city of Bible times. They're like the Las Vegas of Bible times, all right? Like there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Uh, like the, the city of like immorality. There's false teachers. Like there's a reason that Paul wrote, by the way, Paul just didn't write two books or two letters to them. Biblical scholars actually think that Paul wrote four letters to this church in Corinth. Like he had a lot to say, he had a lot of direction to give this church because there was a lot of direction to be given. And I don't know about you, but like when someone is trying to be persistent with me in life, they're just like always trying to get my attention over and over and over and over again. Maybe some of you guys are like me. When your spouse wants to get a hold of you, they will call you on the phone multiple times within about a five-minute time period. I mean, Cassie just calls and calls and calls. She's like, Matt! Answer the phone. There's something going on around here. And, and so that's, what, that's Paul. He's very persistent with this church in Corinth. Why? Because they're pretty messed up people. And so that's our context here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. By the way, last week, uh, I was just talking to uh, some people sitting behind me. And I understand that there's someone in this room, Eliana Tews, who memorized a verse that we're going to be talking about today. Eliana, do you want to come up? All right, come on up. Eliana and Quentin, come on up. They're going to share, is this the right microphone right here? Oh, over here, all right. Here we go. I've asked Eliana and Quentin if they would share the verse that they memorized, the verse that we're going to talk about today. So are you guys ready for 2 Corinthians 5, 17? All right, here we go. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Isn't that neat? Give them a round of applause. Excellent. Thank you guys very much. You can have a seat. So cool. So cool. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just really appreciative of uh, parents who really want to invest in their kids for kingdom's sake. I'm also very appreciative of the volunteers back at uh, Kids Creek. All right, so I don't know if you guys know, but I I try to help out with elementary Kids Creek uh, about once per month. And I would rather be talking here in front of you than working back there in elementary. Like, it's really, really, really tough. It's really, 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 really challenging. And I know that some of our Kids Creek volunteers actually listen to these recorded messages. So let's give them a huge hand of appreciation right now, because they do awesome, awesome work. All right, uh, here we go. All right, 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 5, 10, 11. I mean, here's my Bible. Here we go. All right. The words should be up on the screen, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verses 10 through 21. Here we go. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. Verse 12. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. 
For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live... (laughs) that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Will you join me in prayer? Dear God, I thank you today for Paul's letter, his second letter, actually his fourth letter, Lord, to the, to the church in Corinth. Lord, we know that this group of people in Corinth was just absolutely messed up. And Lord, we confess to you today that we too are just absolutely messed up. And I pray, Lord, today that um, the words that Paul wrote to this church in Corinth would be words that we could hear that we could receive, and that we could apply in our lives today. Lord, I ask that you'll speak through the scriptures today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, in our text today, uh, the text is going to ask us to look at three M's. Three M's. Everyone say three M's. Three M's. M's. So the first uh, M we're going to talk about is uh, assess our motivation. The text also asks us that uh, we need to examine what we see in the mirror. And the third M is considering the mediator in our hearts. So if you're writing something down, you can write down just three M's. The first M, though, is uh, uh, assessing our motivation. If we look at verse uh, 10 through uh, 15, there's actually two motivators that Paul is talking about here. First, he's talking about this idea that we need to be motivated because of our impending judgment. And the second thing we need to be motivated by is God's love. So let's look at uh, verse 10 first and the judgment aspect of our motivation. It says, we must all appear before the judgment seat. Now, I don't know about you, but I I honestly don't think about the fact that I'm going to be judged someday. Uh, We took our family to Adventureland a little while ago, and there were like thousands of people. I didn't like walk around thinking, oh, that person's going to be judged someday. That person's going to be judged someday. Oh, that that person's going to be judged someday. I'm going to be judged. I I just don't think about judgment often. But yet in the Bible, it talks about judgment quite a bit. In Jude 14, 15, it says, behold, the Lord came with 10,000s of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. At Riverwood Church, there will be a day in which all of us will be judged. Every single one of us will be judged. Uh, I mentioned to you earlier uh, about my grandpa and grandma's house. And uh, my, grandpa and grandma's, uh, my grandpa and grandma's house, we played a lot of board games growing up. Okay, so we played games like Monopoly, 
payday, the stock market game. My grandpa's really big into money, by the way. There's the ensuing theme across all three of those board games is money, money, money. And I knew at the end of every single board game I played, here is what the Townsley cousins were going to do. We're going to get out a piece of paper or right inside the, the, the board game box, the leaderboard at the end of the game. So if you were to go to Noel and Emily Townsley's house today, inside every single board game box, there'd be a piece of paper or on the actual box itself, you would see a list of all the Townsley cousins and all the board games they played growing up. And there would be the amount of money that each person had at the end of the game. I knew at the end of every board game, it wasn't like, oh, I quit. You couldn't quit because if you quit, your dollars still got written in the back of that thing. All right? There was always judgment to happen at the end of every single board game as a Townsley cousin growing up. I promise you, no, no doubt, one of my cousins, I couldn't make it to Townsley Christmas this past year, one of my cousins snapped a photo, posted on Facebook, there's the stock market game, look who won this year, you know, like it's a big deal in the Townsley cousin household to play board games. Like, judgment is a real thing. Did you know that Jesus also spoke of judgment? In uh, John chapter 12, verse 48, it says, The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So what Paul is saying here is that we had better be motivated by the fact that we will all sit at the judgment seat someday. Now, there's also another reason to be motivated as well, and that's because of God's love. If you look with me at uh, verse 14 in our passage today, it says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. This theme of God's love is reiterated also multiple times in the Bible. For example, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Maybe you know this passage already. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I was trying to think this week, like, how big, how huge is God's love for us? Some of you know that I was a a high school math teacher for about eight years. And uh, so I just love when my my sons, Caleb and Tyler, want to talk about math stuff. So one of the things that came up this week was, Alexa, please count to infinity. Okay? (laughs) Now, Alexa would not do that. They're confused. Like, why would Alexa count to 100 but not infinity? Dad, what's infinity plus one? What's infinity times infinity? Like all these awesome math questions that a math teacher dad really likes, but there's really a challenging answer for me to give to a second grader and a first grader. But when I think about the concept of infinity, that's the best way I can think of to describe how much God loves us. I love what Pastor Aaron says. He says here at Riverwood, we are to live like Jesus lived and to love like Jesus loved. So if we want to love like Jesus loved, we're to live pretty darn big. I mean, it's just hugely big in such a bigness that we cannot even comprehend it. And that should also be a motivator in our lives, not only that our our judgment is impending, but also because of how much God loves us. All right, uh, so the first M there is uh, assessing our motivation. The second M is uh, examining what we see in the mirror. Verse 17 talks about this in our text today. It's the verse that uh, a couple of the twos kids read for us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, what each of us sees in the mirror is intimately personal, isn't it? That's why some of us were really excited to share that word about our college or high school days. And others of us were like, I, I, I just don't want to share that right now. It's, our, our past is very, very, very personal for us. Uh, some of us, when we look at our past, we think, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, to use kind of the, the, the 2019 phrase, it's like we've been living our best life for a long time. Uh, I'm going to date myself with this illustration here, but how many of you grew up watching Saturday Night Live? Raise your hand. Just a couple of us, okay. Uh, there was a sketch on Saturday Night Live called uh, Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley. Yeah, raise your hand if you remember that one. All right. I stayed up way too late. My parents didn't know I watched this type of stuff, Okay. Uh, if you're not familiar with Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley, Stuart is like this counselor type of person, and he brings on like these celebrities to his show, and he tries to convince them that basically this, their, their past is not really worth talking about, because as I look in the mirror, I want you to say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. That's what Stuart encourages his guests to say. Now, I'll never forget this time that Stuart Smalley brought Michael Jordan on. All right? Some of you are like, yeah, I remember that one. And Stuart tries to convince Michael Jordan that he should forget and not even care about the fact that he's the best basketball player ever, which is just absolutely silly, isn't it? And then he, he, he says, Michael, like, don't forget, don't worry about basketballs and bouncing them and shooting. And I want you, Michael, to look in the mirror and just say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And I think that's just absolutely silly. This whole sketch in Saturday Night Live is just a spoof on the fact that no matter if our life has a dark past or, in Michael Jordan's case, a really good past, we still kind of think that we're good enough, that we're smart enough, and doggone it, people like us. There's a sense of pride in our past. And I think God wants us to examine that when we look in the mirror. That even if we think we've been living the best life, there perhaps could be a sense of pride as we look in the mirror. Others of us, though, um, maybe don't see that sense of pride. We maybe see a sense of shame. I think of uh, a person in the Bible whose name was uh, Saul. And if you're not familiar with uh, Saul in the Bible, uh, Saul was this guy who kind of knew a lot about God but didn't really know God. And uh, there, there's this guy named Stephen in the Bible, the first person to ever die because of his faith. He was actually stoned. And if you can imagine Saul being someone who's actually there, like, participating in the stoning of Stephen, here's what the Bible also says uh, about, uh, about Saul. In Acts 8.3, this is not up on the screen, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women who put them in prison. Like, Saul was just so anti-Christian. He was like the, anti he was like the ultimate anti-Christian. And then God got a hold of his life. But even once God got a hold of his life, people still weren't quite sure. Why? Because of this dark and crazy past that he had. If you've read Acts chapter 8, you'll remember that when Ananias is like summoned to be a part of Saul's life, Ananias is like, no way, I know that guy. He is crazy and anti-Christian. I want nothing to do with him. And then later on in Acts chapter uh, Acts chapter, uh, I think it's Acts chapter 8, verse 26 up on the screen. Uh, Saul continues to go on, and the disciples have this to say about Saul. When he, Saul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. 
But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. So like Saul, you might be able to relate to Saul if you have like this shameful past. Because you're not really sure what people think of you if you were to go back to your high school graduation or your high school reunion. You might have this dark past you're just kind of ashamed of. You are not very excited to share that one word with people around you. That could be your reality. So we've got some of us today that maybe have kind of maybe more, maybe more of a prideful, uh, best life past, and perhaps some of us that have kind of a shameful, dark past as well. Whichever past you're experiencing, whichever past you've had, our text has a message for you today. So we had the first M that talked about uh, this idea of our motivation the second M that talked about this idea of looking in the mirror. And the third and final M is uh, considering the mediator in our hearts. Everyone say the word mediator. Not gladiator, mediator. All right? I had to exp- uh, Caleb and Tyler this week, as I practiced a couple times, they're like, Dad, what's mediator? The best way to explain what a mediator is, is it's a go-between. It's a go-between. So in the Bible, it says that we are separated from God. So here's God over here. Tom coming up for just a second. Tom's going to get to be God for a second. How cool is that, all right? So Tom's going to be God. He's going to stand right here. You don't have to say anything, Tom. Just hang out, buddy, all right? Tom's going to be God, all right? Uh, Zach coming up right here. Zach is going to be all of us. There's a long distance between Zach and Tom right now. Why? Because the Bible says that we are separated from God. Why? Because of our sin. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so there's a problem with that, right? Zach, if he wants to be able to access that, he needs a go-between. And so what the Bible tells us that if we are reconciled with Christ is that we can have a go-between between us and God. Thank you guys very much. You can have a seat. I work in the education world. And sometimes there's conflict that happens between parents and school. And the law actually provides a means for the school to hire a mediator, a go-between between parents and the school, because sometimes the message just gets a little garbled. And so what the text is sharing with us today is that we are separated from God and we are in need of a mediator. You see, some of us today, that mediator is not Jesus Christ in our lives. We try to make that mediator, that go-between, us. Why? Because we've been living the best life for a long period of time. Or we're just not so sure that that dark past that we've had could ever be overcome by Jesus. We're not really sure if God could accept and and look past our past. Wow. So there's three M's. Lots of head knowledge, isn't it? What in the world, how in the world could we apply these three M's to our lives here in Bremer County, Waverly, Iowa, Riverwood Church. Well, I think there's three application points that we can take home today. If you're not writing anything down, this would be a great time to start writing a few things down on your program. The first application point is that we need to practice seeing others through a new lens. We need to remember as Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower today, this application point is for you. We need to remember that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But some of our neighbors, And our friends, the old has not yet passed away. Uh, Think about a person that maybe is your neighbor or your coworker, and you just think, you know what? Wow. They've just got a really, really, really dark past. Because you've heard them talk about their addictions, or you've heard them talk about their divorce, 
We've heard them talk about the things, the wild phase of life that they went through. And I think if we're really honest, we might just kind of say, you know what? I don't really think God can get a hold of their lives. I was recently, uh, became familiar with a, a professor at Syracuse University. She's a previous professor there. Her name is Rosaria Butterfield. Here's some context for this professor. She was an English professor, and she described herself as a feminist who studied queer theory. Some of us right now are discounting her, aren't they? We're like, whoa, that's just absolutely crazy. She was so anti-Christians that she wrote a letter to the editor back in the late 1990s, and she basically just blasted this group called the Promise Keepers. So the Promise Keepers is a men's ministry that a lot of guys in the late 90s, early 2000s were getting excited about Jesus. And so Rosaria Butterfield was so anti-Christian that she wrote a letter to the editor saying, that stuff is absolutely goofy and wonky. There's a local pastor who, who wrote a letter back to Rosaria. Didn't, didn't like, you know, try to go head to head with her. Just asked her some simple questions. Have you ever thought about this? There's also a local couple in the neighborhood that decided to invite Rosaria Butterfield over for dinner a number of times and just to begin a conversation with her. You see, I'm sure that if any, almost any Christian believer in that area would have read that op-ed, they would have said, there is no way that God can get a hold of Rosaria Butterfield. But Jesus did get a hold of Rosaria Butterfield. And today she's a Christ follower. There's a really awesome book I recommend. It's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. It just basically talks, it's, it's Rosaria's book. And she talks about how Jesus Christ changed her life. Why? Because there were some people in her neighborhood who decided to reach out to her and share the love of Jesus in a non-controversial way. You see, we need to do that exact same thing, don't we? We need to practice seeing others through a new lens. So I thought we'd do right now is if you have your Bible open, maybe on the inside cover, or on a piece of paper. I want you just to think about that person in your sphere of influence. It could be a family member. It could be a coworker, Someone who you just honestly have dismissed in the past. You just said, I'm not really sure if God can get a hold of their life. I believe he can. If God can get a hold of Rosaria Butterfield's life, he can get a hold of your coworker or your family member or perhaps even your long lost son, daughter, sister, or brother. Just write their initials in there. I'm still praying for Jeff. I'm praying that God would change his life. And you too today can pray like crazy that that family member or coworker or friend could be changed just like Rosaria Butterfield's life was. So our first application point today was to practice seeing others through a new lens. The second application point is to make Christ your cause. Make Christ your cause. Uh, I was just skimming through social media this week. I tell you what, like, there are causes all around us. I had no idea this week was National Chicken Fingers Day. What the heck? I mean, I've heard of National Donut Day, and I've heard of Ice Cream Day, but Chicken Fingers Day? I mean, there's some, why not? I like chicken fingers. Cassie loves chicken fingers. Why not? National Cousins Day? I think Hallmark made that one up. I mean, there's, there's a cause for everything. When Cassie and I got married like 15 years ago, there's no such thing as hashtags. I understand people getting married these days have like a hashtag, you know? Like, there's so many causes that we rally around. But in our text today, in verse 20, it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Notice that the text does not say things like, We are to be ambassadors for our social cause. It doesn't say we're supposed to be ambassadors for the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. 
although it's tempting, right? The election season is right around the corner. We're in Iowa. Our cause is to be Jesus Christ. Think of all the money and the time and the effort that all of us collectively, just in this room, we spend making other causes our cause rather than Jesus Christ being our cause. I'll think of Matthew 28, the Great Commission. It says, we are therefore to go and make disciples of all nations. I've had a chance lately to um, have lunch with uh, a guy named Ryan. And Ryan works for a campus organization called The Navigators at the University of Northern Iowa, where I work. And I said, Ryan, like, whoa, there are, there's like 10,000 students at you and I. As The Navigators, how do you guys, like, even try to reach all 10,000 of them? And he looked at me, Matt, and he said, Matt, we know that we are never going to reach all 10,000 of them. So you know what we do in The Navigators? We try to reach just a few students, and we start with college freshmen. We're going to invest in them and invest in them and invest in them, and they're going to be our cause so that someday those college freshmen will be seniors and they can start investing in college freshmen. And then when they graduate from you and I, they can continue to invest in people to become Christ followers no matter where they go. That's the navigator strategy. What if that was our strategy? Aaron told me once that there are about 10,000 people in this whole Bremer County, Waverly area. And the most like the best estimates would suggest that maybe 50% of them go to church. That leaves 5,000 people in this area that do not yet go to church. You know, our aim as Riverwood Church is to help the spiritually disconnected find and follow Jesus. That's 5,000 people that potentially need to be found so they too can follow Jesus. What if our cause in life was to try to help find them, invite them to Riverwood Church, Invite them to our growth group. Just invite them over to our house, just like what happened to Rosaria Butterfield, so that they too could become a Christ follower. So our first application point uh, uh, was to, um, well, I'm sorry, our second application point was to uh, make Christ our cause. And the third application point is to be reconciled with Christ. If you're not a Jesus follower, uh, this whole stuff I've been talking about earlier is just like maybe just above your head. Like what in the world is he talking about? All this find and follow Jesus stuff. I, I thought a lot this week about, um, about our past. We were talking a lot about our past. And I mentioned earlier the whole toothpaste idea. So I got a little toothpaste here, brand new. Got it at the dentist office not too long ago. For some reason they gave me the wrong one. It was kid's toothpaste. Not the real deal. You ever got tasted kids' toothpaste? It's all fruity. Ugh. I like the mint stuff myself. As we think about our past, it's all out there. You had that word earlier, right? And whether you wanted to share it or not, your past is all out there. There's nothing you can do, try it by the way, to put this toothpaste back in the tube. It doesn't work out very well. And so for some of us, just like this blue toothpaste is here, our, our past is very dark. And for some of us, we wish it wasn't as dark, but the pride in our lives potentially makes it darker than we'd like to realize. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. There's a really great verse from 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, I'd like to read for you right now. It says, but if we walk in the light 
as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our past sticks with us. When we are at that judgment seat, there's a potential for our sin in our past to stick with us. It doesn't have to be that for you. In our text today, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Today, July 28th, 2019, could be your spiritual birthday. It could be the day that for the very first time, the old is no longer there. Because you, want to be, because you could become new today. All it takes is acknowledging that you're a sinner. And confessing and saying, God, I, I'm a sinner. And I need you. I need you to be that mediator between me and you, God. And I want to confess my sins to you today. I was reading the newspaper this week. And uh, there's a 32-year-old in Rhinebeck. Maybe some of you read about this. Who was in an automobile accident. I also read in the newspaper that there was a 17-year-old um, near Cedar Rapids that was in a, uh, um, a lawnmower accident. Tragic, isn't it? There could be a couple of us today that we've just been putting off this whole following Jesus thing. I'm just going to do that next week. You know, I just kind of, my life's okay. I'm just going to put that off until next week or next month or next year. Friends, let's be honest, our days are numbered. That judgment day for us could come much sooner than we ever dreamed or anticipated. So there's a sense of urgency today that if you have never become a Jesus follower, why not make that step today? On just a little bit, uh, Zach's going to be talking about communion and what it means for us in our lives. And we here at Riverwood Church, we believe that anyone who professes Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior should partake in that communion as a remembrance of the sin and the, the, the sin that Jesus uh, stood on the cross for us. He took that sin away in our lives. We deserve to be there on that cross. And we here at Everwood Church suggest that if you're not yet a Jesus follower, that you just let that bread and juice pass by and you do not participate. Today could be the very first time where you say, you know what, God? I remember what you did on the cross for my sins. And I want today for the very first time to become a Jesus follower. So as we think about our past, whether it's been a, a dark and dreary past, or maybe a little bit more of a prideful past, we all have an opportunity today to be reminded of how much Jesus loves us and how we're a new creation in him. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you today for um, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Lord, we thank you for the fact that there is a mediator in between us and God, and it's your son, Jesus, who you sent to die on the cross for our sins. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that has not yet taken that step of faith, that they're just not yet comfortable with the toothpaste that's hanging out of the tube. I pray, Lord, that today they would feel comfortable, they would feel the prompting of your Holy Spirit to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. I want you, Jesus, to be the mediator of my heart 
rather than me being the mediator of my heart. Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone today that they would be able to share it with someone else and that we could together celebrate their spiritual birthday here in the Civic Center on July 28th, 2019. And Lord, for those of us that are already Jesus followers, I pray that we would make you, Jesus, our cause and that we would feel compelled this week and the days and weeks to come to reach out to others, to help the spiritually disconnected find and follow Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.